Okay, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, is where we're going to be at. We're just picking up right where we left off, church. We, we finished verse 17 uh, last week talking about, um, man, the Word of God. Talking about the inspiration, that this Word is God's Word. It's God, God breathed. That God has, has moved men to write His Word for you and for me in the Bible. That's what we have. And so in chapter 4, verse 1, we pick up right on the heels of that. Right on the heels of, of Paul telling Timothy, man, you hold in your hands the Word of God. you got to know this book. you gotta, you got to read this book. you got to speak this to your children. you got to speak this to your family. you you got to be a person of the Bible. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, here's where he picks up. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions." And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together, church. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we believe it to be um, inspired. God, we believe it to, to be your word, to be spoken by you to us through men. And Father, we receive it. We, we place it as the authority over us today. We yield ourselves to it, God. We ask you to take it and, and to carve up our sinful passions and, and, and to bring us into submission to Christ. Reveal Jesus to us today. And Father, we ask it in your name. Amen. The main point in this passage, uh, the thing that Paul is, is pointing at and bringing us to is this simple deal. Preach the word. Okay. That, that, I mean, that, that's, that's, that is the point of the passage that I just read to you. That's the thing that Paul is conveying to Timothy. He's saying, preach the word. Okay. Preach the word. That, that's it. That's the main point of the passage. Now, lest that be, lest that be something that just glides right over you. Because actually, that, that's probably what just happened, right? I mean, if, if you came in here today, man, you're, you're thinking about your marriage, you're thinking about your family, you're thinking about your job, you're thinking about your stress, you're thinking about your sin, you know, and, and you hear, okay, the, 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 the topic of the sermon today is preach the word. You know, there, there, there's, a great, there's a great tendency to just say, whew, we got that covered. That guy's doing that right now. All right, we've already obeyed it. We're all good today. Let's go have another donut, okay? And, and I believe that Timothy, in the same way, was likely to say, oh, yeah, 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 I do that. You know, it, it's kind of like, well, you know, what if I don't? Or, you know, it's already being done. Or it's kind of like the tag on the mattress that says, don't remove. You know, you're like, what if I do? You know, I mean, what does it really matter? Is there anything great at stake here? And, and so what Paul does, I love this, okay? Preach the word is in verse 2. He spends all of verse 1 basically heaping importance on about what he's about to say, Okay? So, so think about this. If you want to tell somebody that something is really important, you want to give them a message, you're like, all right, I know you're tempted to blow this off. So, so my kids, I do this with my kids all the time. You know, I want to tell them something and I want them to know, look, you need to listen to me, you know? You know, they're going to be walking their little sister down the street and, and, and I want to say, okay, you know, watch both ways for, you know, when you go, when you go across the street, make sure you hold your sister's hand, make sure you walk on the inside, you know, but I know what they're liable to do. They're just liable to tune out. It's like, yeah, I already do that. I already know that dad. And so what I'll do sometimes is I'll put their face in my hands, you know, and I'll say right here, you look in my eyes. Do you understand me? You hold your sister. Repeat that back to me. Okay. I do something to drive home the importance 
importance of what I'm about to say. That's what Paul's doing here in verse 1. Okay? He can't grab our face and he can't make us repeat after. And so here's what he does. Here's what Paul does. Paul, Paul, Paul heaps a weight upon what he's about to say. Okay, He wants it to be a weighty thing. And, and so in verse 1 he says, first of all, I charge you. What does it mean to charge somebody? That, well, in football, basketball means something different. But in, in this, what it means is I, I'm commanding you. I'm, I'm solemnly urging. I'm warning you. I'm exhorting you. Timothy, okay? And then he begins to add weight, okay? So, Timothy, I'm telling you this. Preach the word, okay? But he knows Timothy's, you know, he needs more. So what does he do? He brings in reinforcements. Look at this. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Okay? So he pulls God in and he pulls Jesus in. He says, all right, Timothy, what am I about to tell you? I'm telling you in the presence of God Almighty and of Christ Jesus, your king. Okay? It's, it's kind of like when, you, whenever people come in force, that, that, that it, makes a, it makes a difference, doesn't it? I remember I was the pastor here about a month and uh, maybe two months, I remember, just brand new, 24 years old. And, you know, I'm sitting in my office one day, and all three deacons come in. All three. All three of them, they just come in. And they said, I said, can we talk to you? I was like, well, there's it, you know. <laughs> well, I tried, you know. Dad, is the farm job still open, you know. But, you know, it's because it's all three came in, you know. I mean, it wouldn't have been a big deal if one would have just came in, you know. But they all three come in, you know. And, and, and when all three come in, you know, okay, all right, this is, this is a big deal here, okay. All right, well, here, here's what's happening, okay. God, Paul is pulling in God. He's pulling in Christ Jesus, all right. And then he's pulling more weight into it. Listen to this. I charge you in the presence of God, in the presence of Christ Jesus. They are in agreement with this. And then he says, Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Now, why would Paul say that? The only reason Paul is saying that is to drive home what I'm about to tell you has to happen. It's got to happen in your life. It's got to happen in your church. It's got to happen. If it doesn't, it's all lost, okay? And that's why he pulls in Jesus Christ, who's to judge the living and the dead. Folks, this is not just life and death. This is eternal life and eternal death, whether or not the word of God is preached in, in this church, in your family, in your life, okay? Revelation chapter 20. I, I just, I'm going to read a couple passages out of Revelation today just because I like them, you know? They're, they're, just, they're just powerful. Revelation 20, 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away. That is your God, my friends, okay? In his presence, earth and sky flee. And no place was found for them, okay? And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open, and then another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done, and the sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, this is the second death, the lake of fire, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Paul wants Timothy to hear that as he thinks about preach the word. He wants him to hear, look, Timothy, this is a big deal. What's at stake here is that every human being who's ever lived and every human being who will stand before you and listen to you and your family and your kids at one point in their life, they're going to stand in that judgment. And that's a big deal, Timothy. Why does does Paul emphasize judge the living and the dead? You know, have you ever thought about that? Because that, that's said a lot in the Bible. And, and here's, I think, the simple reason. It, it's to drive home. You can't escape this. 
You see, we're, we're, all, we're all apt to think, it's not for me. You know, I mean, in everything, aren't we? You know, I mean, seatbelts. Let's think about seatbelts. Or helmets on motorcycles. That kind of apply to me. You know, why, why don't people wear their seatbelts sometimes? Why don't people wear, wear helmets on motorcycles? You know why? Because we're just thinking, look, not every, not, every, not every trip results in a crash. I drove here this morning. I did not crash. Yeah? You drove here this morning. Maybe, I don't know, maybe some of you did. I don't know. But you didn't crash, you know? I mean, it happens, right? Sometimes we don't crash. Some people could probably live an entire lifetime and never be in a serious auto accident. And so, you know, the way our mind reasons, hey, it might not be me. And somebody says, well, it might be you, you know, and and we're like, well, but it might not. Right? I mean, that, that's kind of the way we think. Hey, you know what? I, I might escape this. But I think Paul drives home the judgment. And when he talks about the judgment, he says, God will judge the living and the dead. For this very reason, you will not escape it. Okay? Don't think it's going to be somebody else. Don't think you're going to slip by. Don't think that somehow, some way, this is not for you. This is for you. God will judge the living and the dead. And folks, the Bible says his eyes, the book of Revelation says this blaze with fire will stare into your mind and your soul, your entire life. Every thought, every hidden shameful act, every good deed, every careless word will be exposed. You know, when I think about the judgment, there's one word that comes up, naked. Okay, that's what I think of, naked. Because I, I, I just think that's, that's, how, that's how it's going to be. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about clothes, but I'm just talking about the fact that our entire life will be exposed. We can hide things now, can't we? You know, we, we can hide things. You, you don't know stuff about me, and I don't know stuff about you, and you don't know stuff about my life, and I don't know stuff about your life. But there's going to come a day when that will not be true, when everything will be exposed, when our life will be laid bare before the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the, the people that are not connected to Jesus will cry out for the rocks to fall on them. They will want something to hide them. From the gaze of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says your only hope in the judgment is to be clothed with Christ. It actually uses that imagery in in, in the New Testament. That we put on Jesus. That we be found joined to Jesus by faith. And friends, that only happens through the preaching of the word. Okay, Are are you seeing what Paul's doing here? He's heaping on. Big thing after big thing to say, Timothy, you've got to take this serious, okay? To preach the word. I'm bringing in God. I'm bringing in Jesus. Don't you know that Jesus is going to judge every living soul that's ever lived, is living, and ever will live? So, Timothy, preach the word. And then he adds more heaping weight to it. Listen, verse 1. And by his appearing and his kingdom. By his appearing and his kingdom. Here's the thing, folks. Jesus Christ is a king. How do I know that? Because to have a kingdom, you've got to be a king. Okay, Jesus Christ is a king and the king is returning. The king is king is coming back and it will be either spectacular or it will be terrifying to you based on your relationship to Jesus Christ. Kind of the way I think of it is, is I kind of think of, of the United States Army in World War II rolling into a POW camp. You know, I think of tanks just smashing down the gates and soldiers pouring in. All right. How you take that? is going to really depend on whether you're a POW or a guard, okay? If you're a POW, what are you doing? You know, woohoo, you know? What are you doing if you're a guard? You're looking for different underpants, okay? I mean, I mean that's that that's the difference between how you're going to take that act, all right? Well, listen in Revelation 19. This is another one of those verses that passages I just love to read. I just try to find times when I can read it to you, okay? It's the coming of Jesus. Here's a snapshot. Here's a little video for you of what that's going to be like. Revelation 19:11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and 
true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. That's going to come into play later. Think about that. His name is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, following him on a white horses. There they are, all the armies of heaven, arrayed on white linen, following. I, I love that. Verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is the coming of Jesus Christ. My friends, that will happen. It is coming. You will see that that in the skies. Preach the word. See what he's saying? Preach the word, Timothy. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. No, 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 no. God is here. He is witness. Jesus Christ is here. Christ is going to judge the living and the dead. Jesus Christ is going to come with the armies of heaven and he's going to set up his kingdom. Notice that. That's the last thing there in verse one. By his appearing and by his kingdom, Jesus Christ is going to set up the kingdom of God, the new heavens and the new earth. Everything is going to change. All that you know right now is passing away. It's all going to be gone. And Christ is going to set up a new kingdom. And only those who are yielded to the King Jesus right now will be in that kingdom. Now, I say all that. Paul says all of verse 1 for this one simple thing is that you would give weight to what he says in verse 2. Preach the word. Okay, are are we we together on that? Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, preach the word. How important is that? God the Father, God the Son, Christ is coming. He's going to judge. He's going to set up his kingdom. You keep all of that in your mind as you think of preach the word. In other words, there is a sense of gravity, church, in what, 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 what is in the Bible being proclaimed to you on a regular basis. What is in the scriptures being spoken to your children by pastor dads, not me, you guys, on a, on a daily basis, there, there, there is weight, there is gravity to, 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 be, to what is spoken in the Bible, being proclaimed in our town by you all, by me. Preach the word. It has weight. What, what, what does it mean to preach? Uh, it's kind of an obvious thing, but let, let's just talk about it for a second. It is to announce the good news and then to exalt or to respond to it. Let's just say to respond to it. Okay? Now, preaching is always coupled with teaching, which is, is what I'm doing now, expounding the Word of God, bringing truths out of it, illustrating, giving examples, showing other scriptures. All of those things are a part of preaching. But the basic gist of preaching is you take a message from the King and you announce it and you, you revel in it. Okay? So, so when we announce the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you preach the gospel to your neighbor, you are saying, let me tell you the message of the king. And then you are just savoring it. You're just rejoicing in it. You, you're responding to it. This is what God has said. This is what God has done. That's what it means to preach. And, and folks, to our world, preaching is a silly thing. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Do you hear that? Through the folly of what we preach. You see, what's happening right now is really kind of a silly thing to the world. You know, this is, this is never more clear with kids. Man, I tell you, especially the little boys. You know, my, my son must have asked me, there was a period of his life where he asked me every day almost, now, Dad, what do you do? You know? And, and then I would tell him, and he'd say, well, what other jobs have you had? You know? 
And I'd be like, well, you know, I drove a school bus. I was on a farm crew, you know. And, and then he'd ask all kinds of questions about that. But then he'd always come back the next day. But what do you do now? I had this little guy, this little guy named Joe. When I first came to Lincoln Avenue over, over at the Lincoln campus, he came to my office every day, just a real inquisitive kid. He would come in, he would sit down, and he would say, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm studying, I'm, you know, preparing for this, I'm doing, you know. And he, he'd, he'd be like, why, you know? What are you doing? He says, my dad drives a truck. What are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm studying the Bible. He says, why? You know, I mean, you just, it's a silly thing, you know. I mean, what, why, why do we do this? What, what, what are we doing here? You know, well, here's what we're doing. We realize that this book, okay. Remember, remember last week, guys, got to keep last week in mind. All scriptures breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. That's verses 16 and 17 of chapter 3. What, what the Bible tells us is the word of God. This book has power to transform your life. Okay, that's the truth. We, we embrace that as a church, that it is this book, that it is the truths contained in the scriptures that have the power to take people from sinner to saint, to take people from lost to saved, to take people from, from dead in their sins to regenerate and born again. It is the truths of this scripture that we must realize all the power of, of, of the kingdom of God rests in the scriptures being proclaimed by you and by me. There's power in the Word of God, folks. Second Corinthians chapter 4. It's interesting to me that when we ever, whenever we see a strategy of Satan, it always revolves around him trying to get you not to hear the Word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, listen to this. Verse 3 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, in other words, a veil, you can't see it, people don't see it, people don't get it. It is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you see what Satan does? Satan's whole strategy is, i got to keep him from hearing the word. I got, I got to keep dads from, from speaking truth to their sons. I got to keep pastors from, from proclaiming God's truth in a systematic and orderly way to a church. Saints got, I got, I got to keep that from happening. I got to keep people from listening. He knows that if, if people hear the word, if their hearts are open to the word of God, it's over. It's done. Why? Because there is something unique about the word. That's what we looked at last week. Do you remember in Revelation, the passage I just read in chapter 19, what it said about Jesus? It said he has a name that nobody knows. There's lots of names for Jesus. But it says his name is the Word of God. Remember that in John chapter 1? It says that in the beginning was the Word. Okay, Jesus is described as the Word. Why? Because there is power in the revelation. What do words do? Words reveal. They, 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 they show us things, okay? Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. It reveals to us God. It reveals to us Christ. And, and everywhere we see in the Bible, when God speaks, incredible, supernatural things happen. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says that the world, okay, everything that is created was not created by things that are seen. This is Hebrews eleven three, not by things that are seen, but by the word of God. Okay, by the word, God spoke it into existence. That, that's the truth of the scriptures, my friends. When God speaks His word, billions of stars, a hundred times bigger than our planet, appear. Okay, God speaks, and and the universe comes to being. When Jesus speaks his word over the tomb of Lazarus, a dead and decaying corpse comes to life, completely restores, walks out of the tomb and says, let's have lunch, okay? That's the power of the word of God. 
When Jesus speaks his word to a violent thunderstorm, the winds cease and the skies clear. And in a moment, the sea becomes like glass. The word of God, when spoken by Jesus to a fig tree, kills the thing. When Jesus speaks his word to demons, they're driven out of the possessed. I mean, everywhere in the Bible, we see the word of God doing supernatural things. And so it makes sense that Paul would come back to Timothy and we'd say, all right, Timothy, as you build a church, all right, Lincoln Avenue, as you try to figure out what does it mean to be Lincoln Avenue? You know what it means? It means we've got to be committed to this book. We've got to receive this word. We've got to be people who speak this word to one another. We, we, we've got to be people who, who are faithful in the preaching of God's word. It doesn't matter if we do it here, if we do it at Fifth Street, if we do it at Lincoln Avenue, if we do it in a barn. It really, that really is inconsequential. What is essential is that this book is proclaimed faithfully and regularly and constantly. And so Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. He tells him in verse 2, be ready in season and out of season. Um, the word ready carries a sense of urgency. It, it's, it's not just, you know, do I have everything I need? Do I have my sermon? Do I have my Bible? No, no, it's more like, are you ready? You know, you know, when, when, whenever people are lined up in a, in a track race, you know, on the mark, so okay, that's ready. In other words, get ready. Okay. You're, you're going to be called on to speak the word. He says in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means when, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, literally, that's what the, that's what the Greek word means when it's a favorable time. And it's like, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm all, I'm all dressed. I got my Bible. Again. I'm not, okay. Also, when you're at the grocery store and you're in a hurry and your wife's told you to go get something and someone gets put in your path and they need to hear the gospel and a door is open in season or out of season, you preach the word. You always be ready. That's what he's telling Timothy. Much depends on that, church. Now, some of you, I think, are still probably rejoicing that this sermon is for the preacher and not for you. Don't do that. Don't, do, don't think of it that way. Don't think, I, I, just, I just don't believe that in the mind of the Apostle Paul, in the mind of the Spirit of God, he, he's saying here, hey, just a few of you who are senior pastors and your job is to preach, every, that's who this is for. I, I, know, I know Timothy's a pastor. I get that. I know the context of the book. But my friends, the Word of God must be proclaimed faithfully by us. Okay? By us. You must be a person who can handle the word of God. You must be a person who knows the gospel. You must be a person who is in the book, who is in the scriptures. And then the second implication, and I'm going to spend basically the rest of the time on this, is if it's this big a deal that the word is preached, okay? If if when Paul's going to say preach the word, he's got to bring in God the Father and God the Son. He's got to remind us that every one of us is going to stand in the judgment. He's got to talk about the coming of Jesus and and the establishing of a new kingdom. And then he says preach the word. If it's that important to preach the word, then am I wrong to say it is that important that we be also hearers of the word? Can can I make that step? I I mean, I, I know it doesn't say hearer in the text, but don't you think it's implied when someone is preaching that someone is hearing? And don't you think if, if preaching is this big a deal, then hearing must also be this big a deal? I, I, I believe it is. I believe it is. And, and so what I want to turn to right now is, is Luke chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there because we're going to be there for just a little bit. Uh, I, was, I was in Colorado this summer. And uh, man, one thing I, was, I love about vacation, it seems like God always just speaks some kind of fresh thing to me. Just something to encourage my heart, something I've never seen before. And I was reading through the Gospel of Luke. You know, it kind of helps when you're, you know, about 11,000 feet. And you got some elk grazing over, you know, in the campground. And uh, a moose over in the river, you know, and big peaks. I don't know why. The Bible is just more impressive that way. I, I don't know. Uh, 
It seems like it anyway. Maybe it's just a fresh time. But I'm reading through the book of Luke, and, and here's the thing that keeps coming to me over and over. I just keep seeing it. It's just like everywhere in the book of Luke. It, it, it's about being a hearer, okay? God, God keeps challenging us to, to, to think about how do you hear? Be careful how you hear. And, and I started thinking, okay, okay, what the Bible is saying is there's bad hearers and there's good hearers. And we're not talking about, huh, what, you know, I'm in the back. I couldn't hear you. We're not talking about that. We're we're talking about how do you receive the preaching of the word of God? How do you receive the spoken word of God? How do you receive when, when someone speaks truth into your life? What kind of a hearer are you? Okay, so Jesus tells a parable here. Luke chapter 8, verse 9. Is where the parable begins. Actually, verse uh, uh, eleven is where it begins. Now, the, the, the parable is this: the seed is the, is the word. He's actually explaining the parable of the sower. The seed is the word of God. The ones uh, along the path are those who have heard. Notice how many times "hear" or "heard" is in this passage. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the one, who, uh, the ones on the rock, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root; they believe for a while, and in, in a time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that, as, as for that in the good soil, they are those who are hearing the word. Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And then skip down to verse 18. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Okay? There's the punch. Be careful how you hear. All right? Now let's, let's just real quickly. I know this is not our passage. Let's unpack this parable. So you got a guy. you got a farmer and he's sowing seed. The seed represents the word of God. Okay? The seed represents the spoken word of God from the scriptures. The word of God that's capable to transform your life. It's capable of giving you a heart transplant. Capable of thrilling your soul with visions of the glory of Jesus. Capable of bringing repentance in your life. And, and people are hearing this word. Right now, we have a little over 400 people who are hearing a parable out of the Word of God in Luke chapter 8. And here's the question, what kind of hearer are you? Okay. Now, the first kind of hearer is a guy that, again, he hears the Word, but there's nothing. Okay. It's flatlined. There's a hard heart. He's not receptive. He's distracted. His mind's on other things. There's not much interest in the Word of God. There's nothing pressing. There's nothing urgent. They hear the words, but it's like seed that falls on the highway. It never sinks in. It never takes root. It never does anything in their life. Why? Because their heart is not prepared to receive the Word of God. And friends, here's the reality. In every church service in America, there are people who are hearing the Word of God, but they're not really hearing it. Okay? Paul, Paul's yelling, preach the word because Jesus is coming and he's going to judge the living and the dead and he's establishing his kingdom. And some people are not hearing the word of God. Even though they're in earshot, even though they hear the words and the symbols, syllables, there is no real hearing in their life. Notice the next one. This is in verse 12. And the ones along the path. Okay, no, I'm sorry, it'd be verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. So this is shallow soil. So there's some folks who hear the word of God, and and there's some interest. Okay, there's some interest, but it doesn't go very deep. Okay, I mean, they're they're interested in the Bible. What does Jesus have to say? Well, who is Jesus? Well, that's kind of interesting, but it's not very deep, you know. I mean, what's really pressing on their mind is everything else in their life. But, but, but the Word of God, they're sort of interested in it, but, but, but there, there's just no depth. There, there's nothing there. There's nothing urgent. There's nothing important. And again, there's no fruit that comes about from that kind of hearing. Next kind of seed. Or is it verse uh, 14? 
And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So these are the folks who, they hear the word of God, and, and again, there's some interest, you know, there's some interest, but, but here, here's the deal on the, these folks. Busy, 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 busy. Okay? All kinds of cares, all kinds of play, all kinds of things in their mind, all kinds of things going on. Like, all right, let's get this done, Pastor. How, man, is, is, does the all church service go longer than the regular church service? You know? Yes, it does. I don't have any time constraints. It just is what it is. Twice a year. It's my deal. Okay. Yeah. You know? But, but that's that kind of hearer. It's like, all right, the word's being spoken, but man, I got other stuff. And man, my mind's going zip, 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 zip. What I got tomorrow? What I got here? What I got? Oh yeah, okay, Jesus, that's good. Great. You know, no change, no fruit. Friends, realize this. It's possible to be a hearer of the word and have no physical transformation in your life because you don't really hear. You're not really receiving the word of God. Look at verse 15. Here's the good soil. Here are the people who hear the word of God and they are transformed. They hear the word of God and they repent of their sin. They hear the word of God and they become better husbands. They hear the word of God and they become better wives. They hear the word of God and they begin to parent their kids different. They hear the word of God and they start spending their money different. They hear the word of God and they they, they lose their anxiety. They hear the word of God and their hearts are filled with joy. Why? Because they hear rightly. Look at verse, verse 15. As for that that is in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Church, I'll tell you what, this is a great lesson in how to come to church. Hold it fast. You know what that word means? Hold it fast in the Greek, it it means simply that. To possess and restrain. Okay? My kids, I don't know why, but every one of them, when they were little... But Haven's age and younger, they love the teddy bear game, okay? Now, you're probably thinking something nice, but it's really more like torture. Most of my games are. But the teddy bear game is this, okay? I, I pretend like they're my teddy bear, you know? And so I'll pull them close. I'll pull Haven close. And uh, you know, I'll be laying on the floor, and I'll pull her real close. Put my leg around. Put both my arms around like that. Ah, oh, my teddy bear. And then I pretend to go to sleep, you know? You know, like that. And she's like trying to get away, you know. She's trying to get away. She's getting my one arm off of her. And I try to pretend like I'm asleep. Get my other arm off. You know, I pretend like I'm asleep still. But here's the deal with the teddy bear game. You never get away, you know. I mean, just as you're starting, you know. Sometimes I'll ride away, just wrap them back up. You know, like that, you know. But sometimes I'll let them go ahead and think they've got it. You know, it's like, I'm free. You know, doom, doom, you know. I reach out, grab their foot. Wham, you know, pow, wham, you know. And, and it's a great game. It really is. They like it. I think they do anyway. Uh, I mean, that's a great picture of being a hearer of the word. You know what you do? I mean, you, you get the word. You get the word. You, you, you get a principle. You get a truth. You know, you, you're pulling the truth from the Bible. And you say, oh, man, this is what God says about pride. This is what God says about, about selfishness. This is what God says about my anger. And what do you do? I mean, you wrap that dude up. And here's why it's hard, because it burns. You know, you wrap it up and you pull it close. And, man, it begins to just burn away your anger and burn away your unforgiveness and burn away your sin. And, man, you're holding the word and you're holding the word and you're holding the word. And it tries to get away and you get tired. You pull it back and you pull it back. You're that kind of hearer of the word. Man, underline that in your Bible. It's just there is the lesson of the New Testament about how to come to church. Those who hold it fast in an honest and good heart. 
I mean, you got pure motives. You're saying, God, man, I want the word of God. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. God, bring it in. I'm going to hold it tight. Take care how you hear. As we go back to our text in Timothy, Timothy talks about people who don't hear well. Okay, he says, preach the word in verse 2. But look at verse 3. He says, for the time is coming when people... And again, I think this is today. I don't think he's talking about, you know, we talked last a uh, couple weeks ago in chapter three when he says, understand in the last days will become times of difficulty. Hey, we're in the last days. We're here. Okay. And so, so what he's about to say is, is, is very likely true of us. Okay. Verse three, the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Man, you know it's possible that it's really easy to hear what you want to hear, isn't it? We do that all the time. We do that all the time. Don't we? You do that in your family. Your kids do that. You know? Why did you do that? Well, you said I could, Dad. Okay, tell me again what you think I said. That you said, you know, I mean, you heard what you want to hear. But, you know, friends, we do that in the church. We do that in the church. It's a sinful tendency of man to, to, to find... To, to justify our sin. That, that's what we want to do. We want to justify our sin. It is amazing the creative ability of sinful man to find some way to justify and defend almost any sin. It is very possible, even for, even for people who profess to be believers, to, to justify their greed, to justify their lust, to justify their anger, to justify their adultery, to justify their violence, to justify their revenge, to justify their murder, to justify their boasting, to justify their covetousness, to justify their self-centeredness, to justify their idolatry. There will always be a way for you to justify that. There will always be a way for you to find your unique situation. Well, it's okay for me to be angry. It's okay for me to be greedy. It's okay for me to live this way. Because here's my situation. And you know what? You can always find people who will tell you what you want to hear. Isn't that possible? I tell you, you you can believe anything and you can find somebody. On the internet, you can do it on your phone right now, you know? I believe that... Kitty cats are God. You know, just Google it. There's somebody out there who's going to tell you, yeah, you're right. You nailed it. You know, man, me and you, we got it. You know, I mean, there's somebody who's going to believe is going to reinforce any, any sinful tendency in your life. There are folks that will comfort you in your sin. Lincoln Avenue, please don't do that. Please. I, I, I know Christ in relationships, we're all about it. But please don't comfort people in their sin. Now, someone walks out on their family. Man, don't, don't be the person that says, well, you know, he is bad. You know, she is bad. And they probably are. But, but don't, don't help people sin. Don't be that person. Don't, listen, our, our, notice the imagery here. It says, it says, for people will, this is verse 5, the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but, but having itching ears. You ever had an itch in your ear? I mean, that's a, it's a cool image, isn't it? I mean, just, we, we resonate. You ever have that? It's like, oh, I gotta get it, you know? I mean, it's like, you know, you ever drive the Q-tip in and, you know, you gotta go see Doc because you punctured your eardrum, you know? Like, man, it was in there. I was almost to it, you know? But, I mean, it, it's just, it's, what, what the image he's bringing forth is, I need some relief. 
you know, I'm, I'm living this way and I feel conviction over it. Church, are you with me? I'm living this way and I feel conviction. I got this attitude and I know it's wrong, but, but I need some relief. I, I, I got, uh, I got, if somebody will just tell me it's okay. If somebody will just tell me, oh yeah, you have the right. If somebody will just tell me, someone will just reinforce my sin to me. That'll scratch my itch. I want you to ask yourself this question. What is it? This is a great question. What is it that you don't want to hear? You ever, you ever ask yourself that question? I mean, just what is it that you, you, when you come in here, you just absolutely do not want to hear, you know? I mean, what is it when they announce the text, you're like, wasn't that other thing, you know? I mean, what is it that you don't want to hear? You know, maybe you're a James and John guy, you know? Remember them in the Bible, Sons of Thunder, you know? Maybe you're a Sons of Thunder. We, we got some of those folks at Lincoln, you know? And, and they're, they're good, you know? But Sons of Thunder need a particular message from Jesus, you know? Sons of Thunder are the kind that, remember when Jesus is going into Samaria? And they're like, Jesus, let's call down fire and kill them all, you know? That'll be our evangelism project, you know? We'll, we'll wipe out all the lost people and, and then we'll be pure, you know? We'll, we'll have it all together. 100% Jesus. We killed all the others, you know? Okay, if you're a Sons of Thunder, you probably need to hear some grace, you know? And probably what you don't want to hear is sermons on gentleness. And you don't want to hear sermons on patience. Man, you're all about preach the word, but you, just, you struggle with the rest of verse 2 with complete patience and teaching. And you struggle with verse 5, you know, enduring, suffering, and then this deal. You, you struggle with it being a long-haul deal, okay? On the other hand, if you're a person that's grace, 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 all, all, just grace to everybody, man. You struggle with hard sermons, man. You struggle with, with the truth is this, and there's black and right and right and wrong, and there's sin and not sin. You know, or, or maybe you've made yourself the exception. Oh, man, exception clauses. Don't we love those? We love those in America. You know, and people are able to come to church and you know that you're, you're living wrong. You know that you're, you're in a wrong relationship. You know you're not where you need to be. But you justify by saying, well, I'm the exception because of my circumstances. You know, because I'm 5'8 and got brown hair. And, you know, hey, these people are exception. You know, I mean, we're, we're not with everybody else. I'm the exception to the rule. Or maybe, maybe you feel unloved and so your ears itch for sermons on love. But at the same time, man, you despise sermons on authority or submission. And you, you just want to shut that down. Maybe your ears itch for good work sermons because you really think yourself to be a good person. You do good deeds. But man, sermons on pride, you just want to shut them down. You don't want to listen. You, you, you want to have a hard heart when those sermons come. What is it that you don't want to hear? And that's what you need to hear. You, you know what's fascinating about this to me? Pastor Chris, you're going to like this. This is a little bit, kind of, Pastor Chris is our resident apologetics guy, okay? But, but listen to this. Time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we think that, that people believe the way they do simply because they're convinced intellectually of that. Oftentimes, that's not the case. Oftentimes, people believe the way they do because they have a sinful passion that they want to live. There, I, I guarantee there are a lot of people who say, I do not believe in a God. I don't believe in a God. And, and they say that not because they are intellectually convinced of that. It's not because they've looked around and said, you know what? Man, this just looks like an accident, you know? I mean, I just think, I just think all this just, boom, it just happened, you know? And just, wow, just, no, no, just all came together and just flew together. And wow, it's just here. That's, I'm convinced. They're not convinced of that. You know, you know what the deal is? I don't want a God over my life. If there's a God, then I'm, I'm under somebody's authority. If there's a God, then, then I'm going to be judged someday. If there's a God, then there's a law. And I don't want that. So I'm going to believe something that accords with my sinful passions. 
And friends, don't you think that that's the case many times? Don't you think we're really tempted to shape our beliefs and to shape our convictions? Not, not even out of, because that's what we're convinced of in our minds. But many times it's, it's because we have a sinful passion and we want to believe a certain way simply because we want to live a certain way. It's possible for you to form your convictions about what is right and wrong in business based on what you want to do. It's possible that, that you could reject the clear teaching in the Bible on marriage simply because you want to get a divorce. It's very possible that you could avoid hearing what the Bible says about headship and submission and marriage simply because you don't want to live that way. You desire a different way. It, it, it may be that you stockpile bad teaching about money and giving and, 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 and everything that's about being generous simply because you don't, you don't want to be that. It's possible that, that you don't hear the word, you don't hear the preached word. And friends, don't let your desires determine your interpretation and obedience to the scriptures. When Paul says preach the word, all the weight behind that is you've got to make this your authority. You've got to put down your deceitful desires. You've got to put down those, those, those things in you that are sin that the Bible exposes as sin. Folks, don't allow, don't allow your sinful passions to keep you from the word of God. Don't have a filter. Don't have a filter. I'm telling you, we have an amazing capacity as people to have a filter. And we're living exactly one way. And we, our filter just strains out the word of God. And we just make excuses, excuses, excuses. And, and we, don't, we don't heed. We don't hear the scriptures. So I think here's, here's what he's saying. I think two things. If I just sum it up, just this. Number one, preach the word. The word of God has got to go forth. If we're going to grow as a church, if you're going to grow as an individual, if your family's going to grow, if your kids are going to be saved, if they're going to be holy, if they're going to be sanctified, the one factor that is an absolute and essential, it doesn't matter what kind of games we do at youth group, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, donuts we have in fellowship time, none of that matters. It does matter in the sense of bringing people to the word, but the one thing that will change people's lives is the proclamation of God's truth into their life. So number one, preach the word. And number two, we got to be people who hear the word. We got to be people who, with great earnestness, we hold fast. We receive it. We take it. We hold it in. We let it. We let it do its work in us. We don't let it go. And we're transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. Timothy is to do this with notice this complete patience and teaching. What does that mean? Again and again. And again, and again, and again. I've got people that will sometimes tell me, Hey man, you preached that sermon before. They mean that you preached on that passage before, you know? And, and sometimes I wonder what they mean. And sometimes I wonder if they think, you know, once we get through the whole Bible, we're done, you know? Finished. You get your certificate, you know, we sign it, and you just go wait for heaven. No. Man, I tell you what, I will never get out of Ephesians 5 as long as I'm married. I mean, it's going to eat my lunch every time, okay? And I'm going to have to hold it fast and it's going to burn away all that selfishness and junk. I mean, you just, man, we need the word again and again and again and again and again. And we can't be people who interpret the word by our sinful passions. We can't be people who say, I want to live this way, so let me find verses. Let me find people who will tell me what I want to hear. We've got to be people who receive the truth. Church, that's our charge. If there's anything that's going to identify Lincoln Avenue, please God, 
Let it be that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I, I thank you for the power that it has to transform us, to, to bring incredible change in us. God, we want you to do that. We want you to change us. We want you to shape us. God, we want you to, to, to burn away all the junk, all the sin. God, we want you to take that out of us through the word, through the continual embracing and believing and faith in your word. And Father, give us grace, give us strength to preach and to speak it continually and faithfully. God, give us wisdom to interpret it rightly. And God, give us, give us grace to hear well, to be hearers of the word, who embrace it and hold it fast with a good and honest heart. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.